Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to season three of the Agile World, where we discuss customer and employee experience, organizational and workforce transformation, and how business can adapt and continually improve in an Agile age. The Agile World podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed in this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World podcast. I'm excited to introduce the final part of a special three-part series about the importance of taking the right platform-based cloud approach so businesses can enable ML ops and realize the true value of AI and machine learning. This series is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome the Executive Director of Transformation, DevOps, and Cloud Services at Tech Systems, Brandon Carroll. Uh, Brandon, welcome to the show. And uh, first, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and what you do at Tech Systems? You bet, Greg. Uh, certainly appreciate you, uh, you having us on and hosting this. Uh, so been with Tech Systems uh, in different delivery leadership roles for uh, a little over nine years now. Um, very excited of, of kind of where we've come uh, in at least my time here, uh, really focused on um, advanced next-gen full-stack services for you know, a, a lot of the, the Fortune 1000 uh, customers out there. So I've uh, never been more excited to be a part of the Tech Systems team and, and looking forward to this discussion. Wonderful. Well, yeah, no, looking forward to, to talking with you as well. So let's get started. Um, cloud computing has been leveraged by IT for decades, but it seems more recently the term cloud is everywhere, uh, really becoming more mainstream. A recent estimate from the research firm Gartner reported cloud services spending will hit $332 billion by the end of 2021. What are your thoughts on the cloud's impact and, and how it's evolved? Uh, sure. So, you know, I'm not taking into account um, you know, old mainframe, uh, dumb terminal type scenarios, which effectively were the beginnings of, of cloud many, many years ago. Um, really, we've seen exponential uh, evolution since, you know, the public cloud phenomenon started uh, back in the mid-2000s with AWS launching uh, EC2 and S3. Um, I think that rapid evolution has really uh, mirrored access to uh, high-speed networking and connectivity that's become available uh, at scale to large global enterprises. As organizations um, have been able to provide uh, real-time access to applications, underlying data to its employees and customers from anywhere at any time, uh, leveraging the cloud really became uh, less of a luxury, more of a necessity to uh, provide customers access anywhere uh, at any time. So I think also, um, as that evolution continues, there've been a ton of lessons learned uh, along the way. So like many early adopters of public cloud, at least, we're focused on cost savings as a primary driver. And I'd say those uh, results were, were mixed at best. Uh, the organizations uh, that, that really focused um, at the outset on SaaS or software as a service uh, solutions that replaced you know, traditional on-prem uh, services like CRM, content management, uh, business apps, et cetera, uh, I think they really did see um, you know, lower total, total cost of ownership, increased ROI, and really maximize some of the benefits uh, therein. 
Um, I think, you know, conversely, organizations that went all in on cloud first, uh, that we've all heard that term, right, directives, yeah. uh, in, in many cases, really saw the opposite. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of organizations found that, you know, very simply that they moved a lot of technical debt, um, outdated business processes, bad code to infrastructure that was just outside of their four walls, um, not really solving anything. So I think today, you know, as that evolution uh, continues uh, in mass, many IT organizations are looking at cloud in a very different light. Um, you know, honestly, I cringe uh, anytime I hear IT leaders use uh, cloud first or we're going all in on the cloud at this point in time. I mean, there's tons of data out there that uh, organizations that are having the most success in the cloud are highly selective on which applications and associated data uh, provide the highest ROI and are certainly taking steps, not just move things, but to optimize uh, everything prior to migrating anything to the cloud. Um, here at TAC, we call that a cloud smart or cloud appropriate model and uh, continue to lead our customers down that path. Um, I'd say the days of traditional um, IaaS or infrastructure as a service models are going away and they're being replaced by leveraging advanced cloud technologies uh, to deliver deployment and delivery platforms for next-gen services. Those services that ultimately drive uh, business value, not just uh, IT cost savings. Well, yeah, and you, you touched on this a little bit just now, but uh, you know, when, when organizations are thinking cloud strategy, um, what's your recommendation to them? I mean, you know, to, not to your point, going all in on cloud and, and, and things like that, but you know, where do they, where do they kind of get started with, with a cloud strategy? Um, you know, not to be oversimplistic, but you know, I'll continue to, to rever or, uh, reference the term cloud appropriate. Um, sounds simple, but you know, in reality, it's not. Um, at the end of the day, not all applications and data services are met for cloud consumption. They're perfectly fine living where they live today. Um, you know, likewise, no single cloud provider, uh, despite what they'll all tell you, uh, have uh, you know the best services for all uh, types of, of business applications or uh, you know to drive certain business outcomes. So, from a strategy standpoint, we're advising our clients to really prioritize uh, due diligence in rationalizing their application portfolio and really focusing on automation, uh, security and optimization uh, prior to migrating um, applications or underlying data to any cloud provider. Um, we're also advising uh, that a hybrid and or multi-cloud strategy uh, is the most effective way to lower costs, uh, meet stringent security standards, and deliver um, you know, on business value that are, that are generating positive outcomes for the business itself. I would say one other thing um, that is just way too often overlooked as part of the overall cloud strategy is uh, the underlying network and the uh, accessibility and availability component of applications and data. Um, basically, all you know, large organizations that are today employing you know, more of a traditional uh, multi-data center model are, are not well equipped to migrate uh, a significant a number of workloads uh, quickly to the cloud at scale. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I'd say most mission critical and you know, consumer facing applications require frequent data access uh, and or lookups. So you know, one of the most uh, 
a significant cost of living in the cloud are data ingress and egress charges. Uh, so if your cloud strategy is not highly focused on enabling uh, basically near real-time access uh, for core applications, uh, you're likely going to have significant cost overruns and or poor user experience. And that all kind of relates back uh, to your overall network and, and uh, hybrid cloud design. Uh, so our, our cloud smart organizations uh, have quickly realized this and are moving to, or actually back to a distributed uh, core edge network uh, to enable direct cloud connectivity uh, to internal data sources and or external or internal applications. So I think in 2021 and beyond, successful organizations are putting data uh, at the center of everything they do uh, around you know, IT decisions and strategy. And I think if you're not looking at it holistically, uh, including the underlying network component, you're, you're not gonna get the uh, um, maximum benefit that a lot of the companies that we're working with are, are seeing today. Yeah. So talking a little bit more about um, cloud here. So, you know, I often see platform and cloud, the terms used interchangeably. Um, maybe, uh, you know, there isn't even a difference, but can you talk to me uh, about platforms versus the type of cloud? What's more important, the type of cloud or the, or the platform? You know, how do, how do you look at these these terms and, and how do you help clients navigate the right decisions there? Uh, focus on the platform always the platform. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I think earlier a bit, savvy organizations have realized that uh, public cloud should be an enabler to drive business value. Um, it's not just a scalable OpEx infrastructure model for, for operations any longer. So internal and external con uh, consumers of cloud-based applications really just want the following. They want real-time access to data. They want customized solutions and they want a pleasing you know, easy to navigate customer experience. And we're seeing more and more with uh, things like digital transformation that customer experience uh, it means everything, right? Driving CSAT, driving new um, revenue channels, uh, et cetera. So the tech systems, you know, in, in our case, we advise our clients that next-gen cloud solutions should be focused on repeatability, um, automation or high levels of automation and optimization uh, for that reason, again, driving real-time access and solid customer experience. Uh, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, customers of business services, they don't care where those services are hosted. Uh, they really just want that seamless access. So if you focus on building scalable platforms to deliver those types of services and ultimately business value, the provider is, is honestly irre irrelevant outside of any, you know, cost considerations. Um, uh, are cheaper than others, depending on what type of services uh, you want to enable. Um, I just, as an example, take containerization as a service, which we're seeing um, a lot of today when we're talking about building scalable platforms for deployments uh, and delivery of, of business services. Um, services, you know, like uh, AI or ML ops, which I think we're going to touch on here in a bit, but I, for containers, containerization, um, those business applications really doesn't matter. Um, Kubernetes is Kubernetes. I don't care if it's Azure, Azure AKS, uh, AWS EKS, or on-prem. Uh, Kubernetes, at the end of the day, it's just a means to deliver those services. So if you're focused on just the provider element and not the platform itself, um, 
you're going to miss a lot of opportunities for, for optimization. Um, same with things like CICD uh, tool chains, deployment chains, uh, release chain, or release trains, etc. Um, always, you know, take that core focus on the platform at the as as just the enabler to driving next gen uh, business solutions, and you'll be fine. What about the hybrid cloud? What what role um, does hybrid cloud play in the types of platforms organizations utilize? So I think once again, um, keep the focus on the data. Uh, what consumers, you know, what consumers are accessing that data, where they're accessing that data, frequency of access, uh, and how that data is being leveraged or accessed. Um, back to, you know, that traditional corporate data center model, um, you know, data lives in the data center, right? Meaning application calls have to flow back and forth from end users constantly. When you create a lot of uh, element traffic, uh, you create, um, you know, issues at times with latency, resiliency, um, or accuracy of the data because of that constant call. Uh, so in more of a distributed hybrid cloud model, which we're moving a lot of our customers to today, um, your data model has to be front and center in your strategy and plan. Uh, so what data is going to continue to live in the core? What data uh, could or should live in, you know, the public cloud uh, provider where you may have moved uh, some of your external applications for, again, real-time access or closer proximity, meaning reduced latency to your end user uh, base. Um, what can live on the edge, right? Same thing. Uh, could we move things from the core to the edge and not necessarily uh, into the public cloud provider to also enable lower latency, more resiliency, and, and better customer experience? Um, I think same type of scenario in the hybrid cloud model for uh, security. Right in a hybrid model, uh, it may make sense to move some of the uh, security stack to the edge, so that you're not having to call back to the core uh, to ensure uh, that you're providing secure access to your uh, internal or external end-user community. And then finally, you know, I think in a hybrid cloud model, um, it prevents things like vendor lock, right, and allows for some level of uh, portability of applications, data, et cetera, especially if you've got a containerization strategy um, so that you could um, potentially move as providers roll out new services and or uh, change cost models. Let's switch gears a little bit here to um, MLOps. And so organizations have, have struggled to scale machine learning and AI initiatives in the past, but it seems that organizations are on the cusp of uh, generating real value from those technologies. Machine learning operations or ML ops uh, seems to provide a solution that can be a differentiator there. Uh, can you speak a little bit about how you see ML ops making an impact? Well, I think uh, in today's world, um, almost all large enterprises are realizing what you know your traditional technology, social media, media, um, e-commerce companies have known for a long time. Um, An organization's data is one of the largest corporate assets uh, that that you own. Uh, so predictive analytics uh, to drive new revenue streams, open up new markets, uh, et cetera. They, they also help to mitigate risk. So insurance companies have been modeling data for a very long time, right, to uh, establish uh, risk parameters and minimize claims. Uh, we do a lot of work in the insurance space, so uh, risk mitigation is certainly top of mind. Um, and that predictive analytics uh, has been going on uh, in those types of organizations, large insurance, for, for a very long time. So uh, as we all know, right, online advertising has never been more targeted and or personalized as it is today. 
Um, sometimes that's good and sometimes it's really annoying, but it is what it is. And that's all due to machine learning, AI, um, MLOps uh, type programs or, or services being deployed in those organizations. And so I think today, um, your, your more traditional brick and mortar uh, companies, manufacturing, oil and gas, et cetera, are getting um, into the game. And I think another relatively recent phenomenon is how much data is being collected and subsequently analyzed and modeled. So in this you know, 5G world, data is coming from everywhere, not just from traditional uh, transactional systems, right? Uh, where you're supplying data for, for some level of, of transactional um, task. Uh, and that data is being stored in databases, right? So um, you know, now we've got homes, businesses, uh, automobiles, machines, um, sensors and IoT devices are monitoring, tracking, sending back data uh, to all types of organizations. And so those organizations that can successfully harness that information and use it to predict behavior certainly, in our opinion, gave a, or gain a, a, a differentiating competitive advantage. So I think you're going to see a lot more of it, not less. What about the struggles as they as they attempt to adopt MLOps? Like, what are what are some of the what are you seeing, and and what do you what should organizations anticipate as they as they do adopt MLOps? A couple of things. I think first and foremost, as as we just discussed, with the amount of data, it's the sheer magnitude of it. Um, to that earlier point, organizations are collecting just more data and information than ever before. Um, it's also less static than ever. Um, with real-time data now flowing uh, virtually nonstop into the organization. So I think gone are the days of data scientists sitting in an office somewhere uh, running models on defined data sets. Um, models and corresponding algorithms must constantly um, change, uh, learn, and adapt to truly be successful. And that's not an easy proposition, right? I think another... Uh, you know, the, like any other organizational, large organizational initiative, uh, culture can be an inhibitor. Same thing we saw with uh, DevOps transformation, agile transformation, going back even further than, than DevOps, right? If business and IT are not really, really tightly aligned, a lot of MLOps projects simply won't provide the benefits that, that outweigh the cost of, of running them. Um, MLOps should never be viewed as just an IT thing. Uh, it's a business value driver. So clear expectations on what uh, the desired outcomes uh, need to be uh, will really help to create the operational value streams necessary for complete alignment across you know, all impacted uh, internal and external parties. And if you can't get there, um, these large transformational initiatives likely aren't going to go very well. So our recommendation would be, in that case, you know, potentially start small and scale. Uh, continuous marketing and evangelism uh, is a big part of this, right? Uh, showing the value uh, out of the gate as quickly as possible, and then you know, growing the program from there. Yeah. One last question before we wrap up here: um, Do you have some use cases or examples of uh, you know how organizations are leveraging MLOps uh, successfully? Uh, we do. Um, I, we would run out of time if I, I went through that. <laughs> uh, maybe, just a, maybe just one. <laughs> uh, you got it. Um, so we've just seen a tremendous uptick in all kind of data-driven opportunities across almost all of our verticals today. 
um, oil and gas uh, sector. Uh, we're helping a very large multinational uh, customer build an ML platform, uh, supporting IoT data coming in from the field. And that's helping them better manage uh, natural gas well flow. Uh, it's driving efficiencies, lowering costs to get that um, gas to the, to the grid, ultimately. Um, just wrapped up a, uh, a very cool first phase uh, of a program for one of our global airline customers uh, to create what is being deemed as the, the baggage platform of the future. Um, and what that's enabling is better predictive analytics on bag routing uh, and also providing uh, real-time information to folks on the tarmac uh, so they can make uh, real-time decisions um, to customer service agents. And ultimately, it's providing uh, real-time information to consumers themselves so they know where the heck their bag is at uh, any given time, right? And then one other one um, that I just think is is very cool, and it's um, near and dear to my heart. It's a, headquartered in my hometown, uh, but a large uh, heavy equipment mining operation uh, that we've done a multi-year um, uh, ML AI initiative to, um, again, bring IoT data in from heavy equipment that could be scattered across the globe. Uh, with that data, uh, we're doing predictive um, failures, right? So we know that an engine or a, a heavy machine is, is at a fail point prior to it actually failing, right? And that's really, it's just been a really cool program as it's brought all of the, uh, um, the organization itself, the corporate, uh, their global supply chain uh, partners and dealers in the field. It's opened up a wealth of, of new revenue streams for uh, extended warranties, things like that. And it's uh, really just been a, a highly successful program. And I, you know, again, I could go kind of on and on here, but, you know, I think suffice it to say that MLOps associated AI type uh, initiatives and programs are happening every day across every major industry. And I certainly don't see that uh, um, changing anytime soon. That's great. It's, it's great to hear there's there's so many success stories there too. Well, uh, Brandon, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way to keep up with what you and Tech Systems are doing in this space? Uh, you can always visit us at techsystems.com. Um, certainly follow us on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and uh, we're constantly posting uh, new articles, new information, et cetera, out there. So certainly encourage everybody to, to do all three of those things. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Brandon Carroll from Tech Systems for joining the show. Learn more about Tech Systems and their perspective at techsystems.com. I'm Greg Kilstrom. Thanks for listening to The Agile World. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile World podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.